Welcome to the Life Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church based in North Dallas with a desire to help people love God, love people, and make a difference. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Good to see you. Stay standing just a moment. I know you've been up for a while. Let's go to the Word of the Lord, Genesis chapter 6. We welcome everyone who's watching online. Welcome you in today. We want you to engage right where you are with what the Lord is going to say to us through his word today. Genesis chapter 6, if you've got your Bible, if you've got a Bible app and want to open that, otherwise you can follow along on the screen. Genesis 6 and verse 7. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I've made them. It's a pretty sobering statement, isn't it? I believe the King James says that the Lord repented. He repented. He thought better of the decision to make man. He was looking for a relationship. He was looking for someone to commune with. But instead, they followed after all manner of wickedness. I'm so grateful, though, that it didn't end there. There's another verse. There's some of you today you need to know. It doesn't have to end where you are. God's got the pen in his hand. He can write another verse. Today is that opportunity. Verse 8 says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Let's go to the New Testament. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 24. Started with the first book of the Old Testament. Now let's go to the first book of the New Testament. Matthew 24 verse 37 says this. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. I want to preach to you for a little while as in the days of Noah. Would you pray with me before we're seated? I believe the Lord wants to do a work today, and I want to make sure that we're all receptive to what God's going to speak to us through his word. So would you pray right now, and maybe your prayer just needs to be, Lord, I open my heart. God, I I, I want to receive, I want to respond to whatever I need to today. Let your will be done. Would you pray with me? Lift up your voice. God, we welcome you, Lord, to do, to continue, Lord, your work in our midst. God, I pray, Lord, that there would be an openness of hearts, an openness of minds. God, that your word would not be resisted, but that your word would be embraced. God, I pray that your word would speak in a powerful manner here today. Let truth triumph, Lord. God, I pray that you would come against, Lord, by by your, your mighty power, come against anything that would distract. Come against anything, Lord, that would try to undermine the work that you want to accomplish today. You are the Lord of heaven's armies. And I pray, Lord, that your army, Lord, would be released to move, to operate, to work in this place. Let there be a work done in the Spirit right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let it be according to your will. Would you clap your hands to God? Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. At the beginning of this message, is it okay if I just take a moment to remind someone that Jesus is coming again? Does anybody believe that today? Is anybody excited about that today? Is it even registering with some of you what I'm saying? Jesus is coming Again, that's a matter worth taking seriously. That's a matter worth paying attention to. That's a subject of eternal significance. He's coming again. And I want you to know maybe some of the reason that some of us, you know, don't really perk up when we begin talking about these things is because we just assume that we're going to go up when he comes down. 
We just assume that, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be saved. I'm a pretty good person. There's a whole lot of people out there that are worse than me. But let me tell you, Jesus is coming back for those who've made themselves ready. It's for those who want his return, who are looking for his return. As a matter of fact, he's coming back, the Bible says, for a bride that has, been made, that has made themselves ready, a bride that has been washed in his blood, whose garments are spotless, without blemish. He's coming back. Yes, he is. And we can, we can you know, acknowledge that today. We, we can get excited about that today, but he's not just coming back for anyone. He's coming back for those who've made themselves ready. And what I mean by making yourself ready is that this, this thing, this journey that we're on, it's, it's not just a one-time thing. Salvation is not just a one-time experience. It is a continual process. It's more than just coming to the altar one day. It's more than just a decision that you happened to make a long time ago. I'm talking today about making yourself ready every day. As the parable in the New Testament states, it, I'm talking about keeping your lamps full of oil. I'm talking about keeping your wick trimmed and ready. Come on, that, that, that parable, there's ten virgins, there's five wise, there's five foolish. Where do you find yourself today? Are you amongst the wise who has made themselves ready? Are you amongst the foolish that, you know what, they possessed the lamp. They had the same lamp that the wise ones did, but there was something different. Their lamps were empty. Their lamps were lacking oil. There was no evidence of the Spirit working in them. They were dried up. They looked like the other virgins. They looked like the others who had their lamps full, but there was something that was absent. They hadn't prepared. They hadn't made themselves ready for the coming of the bridegroom. So I want to encourage somebody today. Don't allow the devil to trick you into believing that just because you had a great experience with God at an altar 20 years ago, don't, don't, don't fall into believing the lie that just because you spoke in tongues back in the 1980s, that that's good enough. That you don't need to have an encounter with God anymore. Listen, you don't need to fall for that. You don't need to fall for that lie. You don't need to be content where you are, but you need to be you need to be focused on being ready. You need to be astute at being ready for the return of the Lord. I want you to know that Jesus is coming again. And I believe Jesus is coming soon. And he's coming for those who are watching for his return. And he's coming for those who are making themselves ready. The Bible says it'll be like a thief in the night when he comes. So many times, you know, those of us raised up around church, we think, you know what, oh, I'll be able to get ready. I'll just kind of live how I want to live. And, and then when it happens, I'll just in the moment, I'll just kind of, but, but he says like a thief in the night. Another, another place says that it'll happen in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, that's how fast it's going to be. The Bible also tells us the hour no man knows, but he does give us some insight. We read it just a minute ago, Matthew 24, 37, and he begins to communicate what some of the conditions of the world are going to be like when he comes again. In Matthew 24, 37, it says, as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So if you want to know if it's time for Jesus to come back, if you want to know if the conditions are right for her, his return, then you just need to begin to think about what was it like in the days of Noah. So let's look at that. Genesis chapter 6 paints us a picture of the world in Noah's day. Beginning with verse number 5, it says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. He looked down. He didn't see a God-honoring people, he saw a wicked people. He saw that wickedness was great, that it was expanding, that it had overtaken goodness, and that every intent of the thoughts 
of his heart was on evil continually. That's what men in that time was doing. I wonder if you're beginning to see any parallel to the day that we live in. Wickedness is everywhere. Wickedness seems to be expanding. It seems to be multiplying. People are coming up with new ways to be wicked. People are doing everything they can to resist the word of God and the truth and commandments of God's word. And in verse 6 it says, And the Lord was sorry that he even made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I am going to destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I made them. Verse number 11, same chapter. The earth was also corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence. Once again, I hope you can see the similarities. I hope you can see the parallels. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. What a terrible, yet very familiar scenario we find in Noah's day. There was evil everywhere. Wickedness was multiplying. There was corruption. People were thinking and imagining all kind of evil things to do. People were turning against one another. There was violence and it was so widespread that God literally, allow me to paraphrase, but he said, you know, I can't take this anymore. So much evil, there's so much sin, there's so much wickedness that I just, I can't take this anymore. I've got, I've got to start over, I've got, I've got to destroy this, I've got to get this evil, this wickedness out of my sight. Man's condition had gotten so bad that God even went to the point where he said he repented of it. He repented of making man in the first place. He was sorry for making man in the first place. Church, you've got to know that when God looked down on the earth at that time and he saw the wickedness that was upon the face of the earth and he saw all of the evil imaginations of mankind during that time, that's not what he was after. That's not what he wanted when he created Adam and Eve. He was looking for communion. He was looking for someone to have a relationship with. He was looking for someone to serve him and to honor him. But instead, they turned their back on him. They went about living their lives their own way according to their own lust of their flesh. And so God decided, you know what, I'm going to send the rain. I'm going to send the rain. I'm going to send a flood. And and I'm going to wash this all clean. I'm going to do something about this. And I'm going to destroy man and their wickedness. They've chosen other things instead of me. And so I'm just going to, I'm just going to wipe the slate clean. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to let the waters come up from the, from the earth below. And I'm going to let them rain down from the heavens above. And and we're just going to, we're just going to destroy it all and wash it all away. But then he realized That even though the vast majority of the world was wicked, even though sin was everywhere, even in the midst of that predicament, even in the midst of that context, there was a man named Noah. And this man was a righteous man. He was a faithful man. He was an upright man. And right there, in the middle of all of the debauchery and and all of the perversion, in the middle of all of the sin and wickedness. I I love the way that Scripture words it in verse number 8 of Genesis 6. It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Yes, there was evil everywhere. Wickedness and violence and corruption was all around. But even in the midst of that, Noah found grace. Oh, I wonder if we can kind of bring it to where we are. I wonder if there's anybody here today who could say, you know what, I was once lost in sin, but I found grace. I was once drowning in a sea of selfishness, but I found grace. There, Come on, can I get a witness? 
Is there anybody here today who is maybe bound by chains of addiction, but in the midst of that bondage, you found grace? Oh, hallelujah. Can I get a witness? Has anybody found grace today? Does anybody know what grace is today? Is anybody grateful for the grace of God? Oh, I know some of the stories that are here, but I've got a feeling that this church is filled with the testimony of people who right in the middle of your sinful lifestyle, you found grace. That right in the middle of your rebellion and anger, you found grace. That right in the middle of your unworthiness, you found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I thank God for grace. I can't help but get excited when I preach about grace because I probably need grace more than anybody. I need it, so I'm grateful for it today. And I want you to know that we serve a God who will still save. We serve a God who will still deliver. We serve a God who will still heal you today in this service. But it's only by His grace. And Noah found it. Noah found it. He found grace. Sin was all around him. He couldn't turn anywhere without bumping into sin. Sin was surrounding him, but Noah found grace. Everywhere you looked, sin was there. As a matter of fact, it's not in, in our day, 2022, it's not hard to find sin, is it? It's pretty easy to find sin. You find yourself bumping into sin. You know, you don't have to go looking for it. As a matter of fact, it'll come looking for you. Yes, if you want sin, it's there. If you want the ways of the world, it's there. If you want wickedness, you can find it. If you desire evil, it's all around. But let me tell you something. You can also find something else, and that's grace. If you'll make up in your mind, hey, in the midst of a dark day, in the middle of an evil and perverted world, in the middle of a decaying society, I'm not going to look for sin, but I'm going to do like Noah, and I'm going to begin to look for grace in the midst of all of it. We find that Noah found grace. And it came in the form of a boat. God said, I want you to go and I want you to build an ark. And here's how I want you to build it. And the Bible lets us know that he gave Noah some detailed instructions. I want you to build it like this. Don't, don't just go make the boat of your dreams. Don't go make the boat look like you want it to look. But you do it like I tell you to do it. Now here's what I believe, church. That if Noah had deviated one little bit from those instructions, that ark wouldn't have worked. If Noah had surmised, you know, that, you know, going to get gopher wood, you know, that's too far away. We, we've got oak trees around here. Why, why don't we just cut down some oak trees and let's make it, I know he said gopher, but let's go with oak. I believe that if Noah would have varied and if it had used another type of wood, then I believe that that boat would not have functioned properly when the floodwaters began to rise. Because what you need to understand today is that Noah wasn't just building any boat. He wasn't just building an ark. He, he was building a vessel. And this vessel that he was building, listen, when you look at the plans, there were no sails to power that boat. There was no rudder to guide that boat. There were no oars that they could propel that boat with. No, God was in charge by himself of the direction of that boat. So he said, build it the way I tell you to. Do it according to the plan. Do it according to my plan. Because this isn't just any boat. I'm giving you Noah. I'm giving you and your family. I'm giving you a way out. I'm giving you a way of escape. It was a way out for Noah and his family. A way out of the world that was getting ready to be judged and destroyed by God for its sin. Hear me today. That ark, it was a God-designed, God-controlled expression of grace. 
So Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the day that the Son of Man returns. And I want you to know today that what the world is going to look like when Jesus comes, and if you desire to know what it looks like when when Jesus is going to come again, then, then look back. Look back at Noah's day. Look back to how things were in his time. I wonder this morning if I'm the only one who sees the striking similarities between now and then. I wonder if there's anybody who recognizes that we live in, a, in an evil world. We, we live in a sinful society. We, we, we are inundated with corruption. Violence is all around us. Sin is everywhere. Listen, church, I firmly believe today that we are living right now, right here where we are in the days that is right for the return of the Son of Man. I believe that just as sure as I'm standing on this platform today that Jesus could come back at any moment. It could happen today. Does anybody believe that? It could happen today. It could happen before I get finished preaching. The condition of our society The events all around the world tell me that the judgment of God is going to be poured out on this world. He's holding it back right now, but there's coming a day where his wrath is going to be unleashed. There's coming a day where his judgment will be enacted. Listen to me. If God couldn't stand sin in Noah's day, then he still can't stand sin today. God is a just God, and judgment must come where sin abounds. Oh, but I'm grateful that where sin abounded. I'm so grateful that where sin was everywhere. I'm so grateful that grace did much more abound. Even though sin seems to be multiplying, I want you to know that grace is out distancing it. Grace is outpacing it. Grace much more abounds. And in Noah's day, grace took the form of an ark. A boat, a vessel to save Noah and his family from a sinful world. And then grace took another shape in the New Testament. It took a different shape. It wasn't a boat. It wasn't a vessel made of wood. But in the New Testament, Jesus introduced another vessel that could save us from the sinful world. It's called the church. The only way out of the flood in Noah's day was by the ark. But the only way out of this world now is through the church. Oh, hallelujah. I'm not talking about the life church. I'm talking about the church of the living God. I'm talking about the church that he bought with a price. I'm talking about the church that he laid his life down for. I'm talking about the church that when he ascended back into heaven, he said, okay, now you're the hope of the world. It's Christ in you. It's Christ in you that's the hope of the world. I'm talking about the bride of Christ. Call it what you will. The church is not a building. The church is a people. Praise God. Just as God gave Noah a blueprint on how to build the ark, he gave the apostle Peter the blueprint on how to build the church. Jesus' words to Peter in Matthew 16 and 18 were this, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'm going to build my church. This church isn't my church. This church isn't your church. It's his church. It's his shed blood that bought it. Amen? He said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And when it comes to my church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, the church of the living God is going to be victorious. I want you to know today, I don't believe in predestination. Excuse me, let me say that, let me say that again. I, I actually do. I don't believe in the predestination of an individual, though. You've got a free will. 
I've got a free will. I can choose to serve God or I can choose to serve flesh. I don't believe in the predestination of an individual, but I do believe in predestination. I believe in the predestination of the church that on that day when the eastern sky parts, there's nothing that's going to be able to hold down the bride of Christ. Hallelujah. When that trumpet sounds, we're going to rise in victory. We're going to rise as overcomers because the church is triumphant. Look at the back of the book. We win. The church is predestined for salvation. Praise God. The gates of hell shall not prevail. And I will give unto you, Peter, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Because Peter was the first one amongst the disciples who identified him as the Christ. He said, you know what? You've done well. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. So I'm going to give you the keys. Yes, you're one of the 12, but I'm going to give you the keys. And he goes on to say this. On the kingdom, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Peter got the keys. Peter got a revelation of all of the teachings of Jesus when he got those keys. He, were, he was given a responsibility to do something with those keys. So he received this blueprint for the New Testament ark. He received this blueprint for the New Testament expression of grace called the church. And he preached that revelation when the fullness of the day of Pentecost came in Acts chapter 2 verse 37. He began to expound on, on the life of Jesus and what they had done in putting him to death. And the Bible says now when they heard this that they were cut to the heart. They were convicted. They understood that they had done wrong. They were cut to the heart. And so they responded. They said to Peter and the rest of the disciples, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They wanted to know what they needed to do to get right with God. And this is the plan that was given them beginning in verse 38. Then Peter said to them, he said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise it's to you, and it's to your children, and it's to those who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Hear me today, church. That was the message back then, and that remains the message now. That was the way into the church then, and that remains the way into the church now. That was the plan that God gave in the New Testament. And that's the plan that God extends to us now. And we don't need to change the plan. We don't need to make the plan to our liking. We don't need to make the plan according to our preferences. No, according to John 3, you still must be born again. You need to be born of the water. And you need to be born of the Spirit. For without it, no man will see the Lord. It's the only way out of this world. When Jesus gets ready to come again, you better get in the church. You better get in the church. Understand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about the life church. I'm talking about the church. Hallelujah. I'm glad to be a part of the life church. But even more than I want to be a part of the life church, I want to be a part of the church. It's only by his grace that we are able to meet here today. It's only by his grace that you got up this morning. It's only by God's grace that you have another opportunity that we were able to converge on this address and be in this place to hear the word of God coming forth once again. And, and listen, I'm preaching to every one of you here today just like Noah preached in his day. And you better know he preached. 
That's what he did. He, he wasn't only told to build an ark, but he was told to let the people know, hey, judgment's coming. You better get right. You need to repent. Judgment's coming. This is the only way out. You're going to have to get in the ark. You got to get in the boat. You got to get in this expression of grace. Because if you don't, there's coming a day where the rain's going to fall. There's coming a day where this world is going to be flooded. There's coming a day where everything's going to be destroyed as God brings down his judgment. So get right. Get right. Get in the boat. Make up your Go home and pack your bags. Go home and make preparations. It, it, it's it's going to happen. You need to get in the ark. And Noah not only built the ark, but he preached. And so there he was, preaching and building. And building and preaching. And preaching and building. And building and preaching. I'm excited for what's getting ready to happen around here. We're getting ready to bust some walls out. We're getting ready to expand this sanctuary and the foyer and the parking. But can I tell you something? While we're building, we better keep on preaching because there's lost souls that need to be saved. And because there are lost souls that need to be saved, we better not just preach, but we got to build too. We got to build too. It's building and preaching and preaching and building. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Noah was a preacher. He wasn't only a builder. But as he preached in his audience, he had a bunch of skeptics. He had a bunch of unbelievers. He had a lot of scoffers. Oh, sure. Sure, sure this is going to happen. Oh, right, right, Noah. You just go ahead and build that huge boat. It, it hadn't even rained in our lifetime. But go ahead, Noah. You, you do what you want to do. And they poked fun at him and they resisted his message and, and they were skeptical. That is until the first raindrop fell. And when the rain began to fall and when the storms began to break loose, they were like, you know what, let's, let's go over to where old Noah is and let's, let's see if he's out there still preaching. Let's, let, let's see what's going on with him. And the Bible tells us that when they were arrived, the story kind of goes and relates when they got there, when they decided they would go and see what was going on. By that point, it was too late because God had already shut the door. He allowed Noah to preach for over 100 years. Hear the word of God. Respond to the word of God. Get right with God. Repent of your sins. Turn from your wicked ways. Get in the ark. Get in this expression of grace. They refused. So he shut the door. The book of Revelation tells us that there's an open door. And no man can shut it. Amen. And that's where we are today. The door of grace is open and no man can shut it. There might be some of you who are ready to shut it because you're tired. You're sick and tired of the wickedness of our world. But the Bible says you can't shut it. There's only one who can. But right now the door is open. Grace is open. Grace is available. And nobody can do anything about that. The door of grace is still open. That's the best news that I could possibly give to anybody here today that the door of grace is still open. Yes, there's going to come a time where the Lord will say, okay, let's wrap it up. I, I, I've, I've been long-suffering. I've been merciful. I, I've given them opportunity after opportunity. I've given them chance after chance. I've reached to them and I've called to them, but they're not coming, so it's time to close the door. There's coming a day where the door is going to close. But today it's still open. And I'm preaching to somebody today that if you want to be ready when Jesus comes back for his bride, if you want to be ready to go in the rapture when he catches the church away, you better make up in your mind to get in with both feet. Come on, you need to do everything you can right now to get your family in the church. You need to do everything you can to get your friends and your loved ones. Get them in the church. The door is still open. And the church is the only way out of this world when Jesus comes back. Would you stand with me right now? 
I feel the Spirit of the Lord beginning to minister and move right now. So maybe you just want to go ahead and lift up your hands. Open your heart. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, let God begin to work in your life right now. Maybe you want to begin to call on His name. Maybe that's the first step for you to take today is to begin to speak the name of your Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Go ahead and begin to call on Him right now. Grace is open. The door to grace is open. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you were inspired by today's sermon. Connect with the Life Church through our website, tlcdallas.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at TLCDallas. Remember, together we can love God, love people, and make a difference. God bless.